It's time for Tales of Terror, only on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. This episode of the Byron Chronicles, A Year in the Life, is dedicated to the life and memory of Bill Hallweg, a dear friend who has left us far too soon. He shall be missed. burning. The greatest city the world had ever known was falling to rubble. The dead were rising. They sought out the few who had survived the rift opening and slaughtered them. Once they died, they also rose up and joined the ever-growing horde of Croatoan. All of this was happening around us, but I was blind to it all. Only death's words radiated throughout my thought. My dream for Rome had ended. All because of me. Because of my negligence. The true scope of it all was starting to settle upon me. A cold, sickening grip of fear and panic tore at my soul. I... I caused this. Yes. Yes, you did. You laugh? How on earth can you be taking joy in a thing like this? Because death hates me for something I did ages ago. There is no love lost between us. That much is true, but hate? No, pale man. But we can discuss this later. There are more pressing matters that must be attended to first. Like this Croatoan who's destroying everything? How on earth do we stop him? To be honest, I am not certain I can. Croatoan comes from outside. He is not part of the Divine One's creations. The Divine One? You mean the God of the Jews and those heretic Christians? No offense, Longinus, but it's not surprising that something this powerful would be out of the purview of the God of slaves and peasant folk. Do you think this is a curse from Jupiter? (laughs) No, I do not speak of Jupiter. Jupiter and his entire pantheon owe their existence to the Divine One. We all come from the same source. We are all part of this reality. Groatoan is not. He is from outside. He is something else. Something apart from creation. You're telling me that this thing is unraveling the very fabric of creation? Yes. His presence and power is throwing the natural order of things into chaos. The universe will soon start to unravel. There must be a way to stop this. Of that, I am not certain. We may be facing the end of everything with no means to stop it. What do you think, Pale Man? But I wasn't listening. 
I'd sat upon a stone bench, my thoughts all a jumble. A chaotic storm spinning around and around, but of one thing, I was certain. I'd never faced defeat like this before. My whole life I'd tricked my way out of defeat, found ways to turn defeat to my advantage, always priding myself on my ingenuity. I'd grown comfortable, complacent with the belief that, regardless of the situation, I would always find a way out of it. I'd be the one to come out on top. But now... Now everything I'd dedicated centuries to had burnt to ash. All because of me. Okay, I'm a little confused. So, Croatan broke into this universe because it was Autumn? It's pronounced Croatoan, but yes. More correctly, though, it is because the powers of Autumn had been allowed to run rampant. You see, the forces that control the universe are chaotic, if left unattended, destructive even. That is why there's no one season allowed to control an entire year. It would be catastrophic. But the steward of Autumn had been neglectful in his duties. Much to the misfortune of everyone. And because you were not doing that... It allowed the powers of Autumn to erode the fabric of creation. Not a lot, just enough. But it wasn't just that, was it, Pale Man? You mean there was something more going on? Oh, indeed. The Terran's creation had attracted attention. Other beings with powers had taken notice. And were not pleased. Who were they? Some of the most dangerous people in all of creation. My family. A great rush of wind like a cyclone raced through the room. Vortex formed, out of which three beings stepped. Vortex closed behind. A tall, broad-shouldered man dressed in nothing but animal skins grabbed me by the neck and slammed me into the wall. You fool! Do you know what you have done? Hello, Slate. Love the beard. How's things in the realms of ice? This is not the time for levity, brother. You have put us all in a very grave position. Be grateful we noticed this first. If this were to catch the attention of heaven and hell, it would not be good. Let him go, Slate. As you wish. Nice to see you again, Estiva. And you brought Zoe, too. Well, I'm sorry I didn't have time to make refreshments. It's been a busy day. That's okay. I ate before I came. I had these nice little crumble cakes with tea. A bumblebee kept me company and told me about his adventures in the lands of gumdrop elves. Sounds enchanting. Longinus, you know these people? These are the other members of our pale friend's family. It's been quite some time since they were all together like this. Hello, Death. You smell like a dusty old attic. I never liked those robes. 
black is so depressing. It makes people sad. You should get something pink. You'd look good in pink. It would make people happy to die if someone in pink came to take their souls. And if you gave them candy while you did it. Charming as ever, Mistress Zoe. Winter, spring, and summer. And you, Longinus. You are the ruler of autumn? I think that's been established, and I told you not to call me Longinus. That name is dead to me now. Can we call you by your real name? I always liked how it sounds. No. There was only one time I went by that name. That time's gone. Oh. Can I call you Mr. Kitty, then? If you must. As charming as this reunion is, we do have a pressing matter to attend to. Yes, the universe is falling apart. Because of you, brother. Not now, Slate. Should we survive this day, our brother shall be punished. But first, we must put things back into their proper order. I'm open to ideas of how we go about that. This might sound funny, Mr. Kitty, but when I was having tea, my bumblebee friend told me a way to fix this. Really? A bumblebee told you how we can save the universe? Yes. He told me if ever there came a time I needed to save the universe, he said this is what I should do. Zoe told us the bumblebee's plan. Oddly enough, it turned out to be a good one. This is getting really weird. You really expect me to believe a bumblebee told your sister how to save the universe? Bumblebees are exceedingly intelligent creatures. They figured out how to split the atom centuries before humankind even knew what an atom was. They felt it was too dangerous to use and settled for making honey instead. Now slugs, on the other hand, they are just plain evil. On an endless quest for universal domination, and that would be a dark day indeed. You've got to be joking. Oh, no, no, no. I'm honest. Have you ever seen the slime trails that slugs leave? That's just phase one of the plan. Getting Donald Trump into power is phase two. And once they get up to phase four, look out. Things will be really bad then. Fine, fine, fine. Whatever. So, what was Zoe's, I mean, the Bumblebee's plan? My family and I channel all our powers together, then funnel it into the rift. We weren't powerful enough to stop Croatone, but with our combined efforts, the powers of the Four Seasons, we should be able to heal the tear in reality and close off his way into our universe. Oh, I see, because it was one of the seasons that caused the tear in the first place. Precisely. And a bumblebee figured all that out? As I said, bees are exceedingly intelligent creatures. Ultimately, none of that information mattered. For as soon as we had gathered it... Another guest entered the arena. What? Another of Byron's family? No, sadly. All of the other members of my family died during the Great War on Heaven. That's why there are only four seasons. Well, then who was it? Don't you remember how it wasn't just me who followed the Pale Man in from the carnage? You know, the one who he sacrificed in order to summon death. The one whose body now lay at our feet. A golden opportunity. Yes. The Emperor's body sat up. He looked at me with dead, vacant eyes. I remember he smiled at me. 
As Croatoan stood, what was left of the Emperor's guts splashed out onto the floor. He looked down at the entrails hanging from his new body. Then, reaching into the stomach cavity, he ripped the remaining guts free and dropped them to the floor. Croatoan then walked towards me. I do not want this. You've returned from Orcus, but how? This is not Romulus. It's nothing but the shell of his body. How astute of you, pale man. So this is where you scurried off to. Somewhat drab. I had expected much more of your home. Still, I suppose it won't matter much longer. I take it you plan on destroying everything? On the contrary, I shall consume all things. They shall all become one in me. We cannot allow you to do that. And how do you propose to stop me, Lord of Winter? With every death, my grasp on this realm grows stronger. My forces surround this tower. In a short time, its defenses shall fall. All of you will become one with me. You cannot stop me. Perhaps they cannot. But I believe you'll find I am more of a challenge. You? <laughs> Lord of Death? Compared to my will, your power is pitiful. Pitiful? Perhaps it is. All the same, though, I think you'll find I can be quite the painful thorn in your side. You have to understand something. Croatoan was building an army, a vast and powerful one, but it consisted only of those who fell before him, those who died because of him. Death, however, started bringing back warriors who had fallen across the ages. They pushed their way up from thousands of graves. Skeleton warriors rose up to fight once more. Zombie versus skeletons. You know, I think Mystery Science Theater did an episode about that once. Did Death's plan actually help? The dead Croatoan imbued with his will made them very powerful. Even Death's forces couldn't stop them. But they did slow them down some. It gave my family the time we needed to act. I moved quickly to the far wall and pulled down a lever. The roof of the room pulled back, revealing the skies above the city. The platform we stood upon raised itself until we were on the top of my town. The skies continued to burn as flakes of ash rained down from above. The rift could be seen above us, a jagged rip in the fabric of creation, pulsating with a life all its own. On the streets below, the dead made war with us. Whatever you plan to do, I suggest you do it soon. My forces cannot hold them back for long. You are practicing futility to a higher death. There is nothing anyone can do to stop me. I will not be so certain of that. Look. My family stood in a circle around me. They raised their arms. A golden glow emanating from their beings. 
This was their power, the energy that guides and controls the seasons, energy I had for too long ignored. I was to be the funnel to pour this primal force into the rift. As it was autumn when the rift was torn open, it would be autumn that caused it to be closed up. I felt the energy merging with my own. At first it felt harsh, destructive. It felt as if I was floating on a sea of emotion. I looked up into the sky at the rift. I opened my arms out towards it and watched as power flowed out from me and into the jagged tear in the horizon. I'd never felt anything like this before. This was more than just the power to heal. It was power that could be used to create. A great force that was born with the universe itself. With this, I could do more than just seal the rift restore all that had been destroyed since the rift opened. I could restore Rome as it was. What are you doing? It seems your plans have undergone significant changes in the last few moments. Wouldn't you agree? I can't do this. No, this is my time. My universe now. I won't let you do this. I think we have heard enough from you. Death swung his side into Proton. Proton lost his balance and fell from the roof of the street. I was unaware of this help. All I could see was the raw power racing through. I focused on the rift in the sky. I watched as it slowly began to close. In a way, it reminded me of watching a cube of ice melt in warm water, growing smaller and smaller by the moment, until, for me, there was nothing left of it at all. Stopped Croatoan. We came out of my tower onto the ruins of Rome. The bodies Croatoan had inhabited now laid dead upon the streets. The skeleton warriors of death had started to return to their graves. But one body would turn up missing. The body of the Emperor. The one Croatoan had used to speak with us was gone. For a time I believed it had been pulled into the rift or burnt up. In the times to come I would find I was mistaken. Although the rift was closed, some aspect of Croatoan was left behind. That's a tale for another time. I shall take my leave of you all now. I should never have been here at all. Dealing with the events on the mortal plane are frowned upon by the higher realms. I imagine they would not be pleased with you unleashing an army of the dead. Indeed, no. 
Should the higher realm learn what transpired here today, I would be grateful if you did not tell them of my involvement. Rest assured, they will learn nothing from us. You have our thanks, Lord Death. Until our paths cross next. We're not finished yet. What do you mean, brother? I need your help one more time. With our combined power, I can restore Rome. Bring back all of what was lost. No. No? What do you mean, no? We can't leave Rome like this. On the contrary, you'll find we can. This is to be your punishment, brother. You have caused all of this to happen. All of this is because of you. The fall of Rome is your fault and yours alone. Had you been responsible and taken care of your duties, Rome would still stand. Your negligence is what caused all of this death. The guilt is yours, Tiffany. You will live with that knowledge for the rest of your days. No, you can't do this. Can't you just lock me in my realm for a century or something? We are united on this decision, brother. We bear you no ill will. We all love and care for you. But this is a lesson you have had coming for a long time. Goodbye, brother. I would wish you well. But I think you are going to have a hard time ahead of you. And then they were gone. One moment here, the next, nothing. I stood on the empty streets. I was a chaotic jumble of emotions. How could they leave me this way, angry that they refused to help me? But worst of all, I felt growing guilt. My family was right. Everything that had happened had been my fault. I caused the fall of the greatest empire this world had ever seen or would see. There was no way I could fix it. Everything was gone now. Everything I had dedicated myself to for over a thousand years burned to ash. So, Pilmar, what do we do now? What? What did you say? What do we do now? There must be something to fix all this destruction. There is nothing to be done. No way back from this. It's over. It's all over. What happened next? Yes, what did happen, Byron? Do you remember? Because I remember it vividly. Byron here surveyed the chaos around him. Hell, he practically slipped on the blood and entrails that littered the streets. And without a word, he turned around, walked back into his tower, and slammed the door. Within a few moments, the tower itself vanished into the air as though it had never even been there, leaving us to deal with the destruction his failures had caused. The more industrious headed east towards old Byzantium, blinded by the misguided hopes that they could rebuild the empire to its former glory. 
Constantine credit. He tried. He really did. But the mighty Roman Empire was gone. And no one, not even Constantine, was going to raise it from the ashes. The rest of us wandered aimlessly around the continent, desperate to find some semblance of stability or normalcy after all that had happened. Only it's hard to find normalcy when you're constantly watching your back for fear of being caught by a rambling undead unawares. Oh yes, in his haste to depart, Byron had left that little mess for us to deal with as well. I became one of these mindless nomads, eventually ending up in what they now call Hungary. And there, I was shown a new way of life. Or, unlife might be a better way of putting it. There I was enveloped in the passion and the ecstasy of the blood drinkers. For if my fate was to live eternally as either a beautiful vampire or a rotting zombie, well, I think you can figure out which one I chose. I believe they call me the bloody countess there now. What about you, Byron? Me? I went away. Somewhere dark, somewhere cold. I would stay there for a very long time before even wanting to return to reality. Nothing was ever the same for me after that. But obviously you came to terms with what happened in Rome. No, not really. I've learned to move on from it, but it's always with me, Max. Always there, some place at the back of my thoughts. I will always remember Rome and how my actions destroyed it. Well, this has been a friendly get-together, Mistress. Always love chatting about depressing events, but Max and I will be on our way now. <laughs> oh, I don't think so, Byron. We had a deal, remember? The deal's off. You gave me nothing that I didn't already know. Block the doors. No one breaks a deal with me, pale man. No one. Now we can do this in pain, or we can do this in pleasure, but you will spend the night with me, as promised. The choice is up to you. Well, it's hard to argue with that. One condition. Allow Max to leave, and I guess we'll get on with it, shall we? That's more like it. Guards, escort the maggots out. And make sure no one disturbs this room or there will be hell to pay. Uh, Byron? I'll be fine, Max. I'll see you soon enough. We'll do lunch tomorrow. Right. Now, if you know what's good for you, you will unlock those doors and let me walk out of here. Go about our lives... well... Unwives, so nothing has happened. <laughs> oh, you're so cute when you're in distress. Now go get that cat of nine tails off the wall. I love the flesh smell of leather. Mingled with the blood and the sweat of your quarry, there's nothing quite like it. You have one chance to let me out of here now without repercussions. I would suggest you take it. Well, aren't we feisty? Now go do what you're told before I really start to get pissed off. I warn you, madam. You speak to a man who has nothing to lose. 
And you speak to a woman who doesn't care. Now go get that whip or your bones will be the first to cry out Byron. Byron? Oh, you're sadly mistaken. Byron has gone to sleep and let me out of my cage for a spell. You may call me Vastator. you do to them? The same thing I plan to do to you in a short time. But not until I've had some fun first. Now, what was that you said about bones breaking? Sorry, I was busy. The pale man was recounting his first encounter with you. It took him forever to get through the story. He told you the fool? Very good. The time grows close. Why are we even doing this? Can't we just force him to do what we want? Why must I go through this charade of being a friend? The pale man is stubborn. He would die before giving me what I want. But to protect you protect a friend. Well, that's another matter. I caused that priest to give you those books, all to pique the pale man's curiosity. Manipulated the watch into believing biblical prophecy had come to pass. They've gone into seclusion and won't be able to aid the pale man in what is to come. We're playing the long game, my dear. All of the pieces are falling into place. One of which is that he has come to care about you. And then what? Then? Then I make the pale man suffer for what he's done to me. Then I shall finish what I began so long ago. This reality shall become one under me. Under us. Do you understand now? Yes, Father. Your will shall be done. A Year in the Life, Part 5, The Ashes of Rome, written by Eric L. Busby and Mindy Rast Keenan. Featured in the cast were David Alt as the Pale Man, Carissa DeWitt as Max, Mindy Rast Keenan as the Mistress, Mark Bruzee as the Steward of Winter, Jessica McAvoy as the Steward of Spring, Molly Urban as the Steward of Summer, Philip Weber as the Lord of Death, and featuring Kareem C. Cronfley. Music by Kevin McLeod and Adrian Von Ziegler. Byron Theme by Kai Hartwig. Script edited by Daniel Caicedo. This episode was produced, engineered, and directed by Eric Busby. This is Darren Marlar. You've been listening to an Eric Busby production.
There are a number of things that we can all do to help stop the spread of the coronavirus and protect ourselves and our families. One is simply to clean your hands often. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after you've been in a public place or after blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. If you don't have access to soap and water, then make sure you use a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. And finally, avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. These are some simple things that we can all do to help protect ourselves and our families from the spread of coronavirus. Be well, everybody.